Hey everyone, welcome to Tom French Preaching. This is the podcast of me, Tom French, preaching, just like the title says. I'm a guy who lives in Melbourne and does Bible talks for youth and other people around Australia and all over the internet. I'm also the author of Weird, Crude, Funny and Nude, The Bible Exposed, the very best book that I have ever written. For more information about my book or to see what else I've been up to, go to my website, tomfrench.com.au. And with that, let's get on with the talk. Well, I want to start by telling you about uh, my history with drugs as a child. I uh, was in the bush with some friends, uh, some my next door neighbours, and they uh, took me, I was probably, probably about eight or nine years old, and they took me to this, uh, this spot where they, they showed me behind a rock and they, they pointed down at this thing on the ground. I looked at it, and there on the ground, there was this uh, orange juice bottle, a small bottle, and then... Uh, there was someone who cut a hole in the side and put a little bit of garden hose in it. And my next door neighbor said to me, Tom, that is what people use for smoking marijuana. And I was like, oh, it is drug paraphernalia. Not that I knew the word paraphernalia, but I knew that what I was seeing was terrible. And I was like, this is a, there is crime going on in my suburb. I was very upset about what I had seen and I, I went home quite shaken, but I knew that something had to be done about it because there was a scourge of crime on my neighborhood. And this sat with me for a while and, and I didn't quite know what to do about it. But because I was a good law-abiding citizen, I knew ha- something had to be done. Something had to deal with the drug problem in our neighborhood. And then I came upon a plan and I had a friend come over and I went with him and I, I took him to a, the spot where I, we had seen the, the drug paraphernalia and I, I showed him and, and there was another one there, another orange juice bottle with a hole cut in it and some garden hose sticking out of it. And I said, do you know what that is? And he was like, no. And I said, that's for smoking marijuana. He was like, oh no, that's terrible. I was like, we need to report this to the police. And he was like, yes. We definitely do. And so we got ourselves a plastic bag and we went to, the, uh, to, the, to the, the orange juice bottle and we picked it up very carefully so as not to get our fingerprints on it because we knew that we needed to preserve the evidence. And then we carried the plastic bag to the police station and handed it over. And as we handed it over, I had dreams of what would happen next. I was hoping that the, uh, the police would take it and say, they would see what was in the bag and say, oh no, this is terrible. I was like, where did you find this? And I, this could be the, the key we need to crack the case of the marijuana smokers in the suburb. And then they would put me in the, in the police car and they would put the sirens on and they would drive us down and they would you know, put police tape over the air and say, show us where you found the bottle and be like, it's there. And then they would then go on a, um, on a race and they would find the people who had done this and then I would get to be the star witness in the bong trial of the century. And that was my, my dream. But instead, uh, we handed it over and the policewoman said, oh, thank you. And then she said, you didn't use this, did you? I'm like, no, of course not. And then that was it. And we left. And I think she probably just went and threw it out. And it was very disappointing that I didn't get to be a witness in that great trial, that I didn't get to do anything at all, that what I thought was a big deal was not a big deal to other people. 
Now, I tell you this because uh, in this passage that we have here, we see that there is a job to do to be a witness, and it is to witness to something that is much bigger and much more impressive and definitely not illegal. Uh, This is to be a witness to the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, This uh, passage is telling us that there is a job that Jesus has given his people to do, and it's to talk about the good news that death has been beaten. And this is world-changing. This is universe-shifting news. This This is a lot bigger than whatever was going on in my suburb. Now, this is the first uh, sermon that you guys are going to hear in the series on Acts, and so we have to know a little bit about this book. And so if you look in the first verse of chapter 1, you see uh, a little bit about what is going on here. It says, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. So what we have here is we have... Uh, a sequel. This is one of the few actual true sequels in the Bible. There are a lot of books where, you know, there's one and two, but often that's because, you know, someone wrote a letter and then they wrote another one, or because, you know, the book is just too long to fit onto one scroll, and so you have two of them and break them up. But this book is actually a sequel uh, that Luke has written, the book of Luke, for Theophilus, so that Theophilus might understand who Jesus is and what he has done. And now he is writing another book so that um, he can understand what Jesus continues to do. Theophilus was probably uh, not a Jewish man, but probably uh, a a well-to-do Gentile man who Luke wanted to understand Christianity. He was probably the patron, so he would pay for this. Uh, And and Luke may have wanted uh, Theophilus to help uh, with the continuing spread of the good news of Christianity. Whatever he wanted to do, whatever he was, was hoping Theophilus would do in the future, he is trying to convince Theophilus of the truth of who Jesus is and the goodness of what Jesus is doing in the world. And the second thing to notice uh, is, uh, is that it tells us what the book of Acts is going to be about. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you've spent a lot of time thinking about the name Acts, uh, most of my life, I didn't spend any time thinking about the names of any of the books of the Bible. I didn't think about why Genesis would be called Genesis or why Deuteronomy would be Deuteronomy or 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians and Acts. I didn't think about why Acts would be Acts. But then, you know, I, as I got a bit older, people would call it the Acts of the Apostles. And I thought, oh, okay, well, it's, it must be the things the Apostles did. But here we see, uh, it says that in the first book, Luke wrote about what Jesus all that Jesus began to do and teach, which means that if that is where what Jesus began to do, now we are going to get the story of what Jesus continues to do. So while in, the, in Acts we do have the Acts of the Apostles, perhaps a better a way of understanding this is that this is the Acts of Jesus Christ, that even though Jesus Christ is not physically present throughout the book of Acts, we see that he continues to work in the world. And so that's where, um, where Acts is going to take us, but Before all that happens, Jesus is still about at the beginning of the book. And Jesus is with his disciples, he's died and he's risen again, uh, and he's been spending 40 days teaching them about the kingdom. And then he tells them uh, that they need to wait in Jerusalem because the Holy Spirit is going to come to them. And then it tells us uh, in verse 6 that the disciples said, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And I can imagine that when they asked this question, that poor old Jesus must have despaired because he has just spent 40 days teaching them about the kingdom 
And, and his, I'm sure he's been very clear that his kingdom is not like other kingdoms. It is not just a p- political kingdom that's going to come, arrive on earth where, you know, Israel is going to become a great nation again, but it is a kingdom that is much bigger than any political aspirations that they might have. Uh, but he turns to them and said, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. He's saying things are not going to happen the way that you think they will or the way that you expect that they will. And then he says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He's saying you are going to get power, but it's not going to be power from God's kingdom that you expect. It is the power to go and be a witness, the power to go into all the world and to share the good news of who Jesus is and what he has done, to share the good news that God has come to live with us in his son, that Jesus, God himself, died for us so that we might find forgiveness for our sins, that we might be welcomed into God's family, and he rose again so that we might know that we have been forgiven, that we have been welcomed into God's family, and that we now have hope and we can live for him the life that he calls us to. That is what we are to be witnesses to. And when he says it's in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, Jesus is saying you're going to start here in the most Jewish place in the world and you're going to head out and it's going to be, going to be progressively less like your people. But all in, there's going to be a time when all the people of the world will get the chance to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. That is what he is calling them to do. And then he heads up into heaven. These are his last words. This is what he is calling this is their job, to go and be witnesses in all the world. And then it tells them that some men turn up while they're staring into the sky, and they say, men of Galilee, why do you stand there looking up into the sky? Which seems like a strange question, because like, the dude just went straight up into the sky. <laughs> like, that's why we're looking. But they say, the same Jesus who has, come, who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen, sorry, in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. What they're saying is, don't keep looking up in the sky. Jesus has gone and he's coming back, but you've got something to do in the meantime. And so they head off, uh, they head back from the Mount of Olives and they head to Jerusalem and they spend time in prayer and they spend time waiting for the Holy Spirit to turn up. But they have a job to do before that happens. And Peter has decided that it's time to replace Judas. Judas, who was one of the 12 that Jesus chose, but Judas who betrayed Jesus and Judas who died now needs to be replaced. And you might be wondering, well, you know, if he's gone, why do we need to replace him? Well, 12 is an important number. If you remember from the Old Testament, uh, God had 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 tribes of his people, and through them, uh, he was uh, going to, to let the whole world know about who he was, that there were to be a light to the nations, Well, now Jesus has chosen 12 disciples to continue the work that God has done. And so they need 12 because it's saying what God began all those years ago uh, with the people of God, he is continuing to do and he will continue to do until Jesus comes back again. That this is not a new thing that God is doing. This is the continuance of God's big plan of salvation for the world. So they need to find someone to replace Judas Uh, And so you would think that as as they're trying to find a new disciple to become an apostle, you would think that as they have their their list of qualities of what you need, 
Uh, you would you'd think that they might need someone with good theological education or someone who knows all the right, uh, the right arguments, who can do apologetics really well, or maybe someone who is a great preacher. Uh, you, the, you might think the job description might have any of those qualities needed, but instead, uh, look at what it is that Peter says that they need. It says, therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of those, sorry, for one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. And what Peter is saying there is saying that the qualification that is needed uh, is that you know Jesus, that you are with Jesus, and that you can be a witness of his resurrection, that you can tell the world what you have seen. And so they choose from two men who would have been with them uh, for the whole time, uh, and they choose um, Matthias. And he gets to become the, the new apostle, and uh, this is the last we hear of him in the Bible. So there you go. But if you feel a bit sorry for Basabas, uh, who is also known as Justice, he does turn up one more time. Uh, he you know, doesn't get to be an apostle, but he does get to deliver a letter uh, for the council in Jerusalem. So, you know, that's a good consolation prize. Now, the call to, to the apostles there uh, was the beginning of the job of witnessing, but it was not the end. They didn't make it to the ends of the world. They made it to the ends of their world, but they did not make it to the ends of the earth. That job is a job that continues to this day. And we are called to continue that work. We are, you know, obviously not going to become apostles, but we still have a job to do to be witnesses of the resurrection of Jesus, to share with the world what God has done. And the great news is that we have made it to the ends of the earth. Like if, if Melbourne is not the ends of the earth from Jerusalem, then probably Hobart is. But, you know, <laughs> we're a long way from Jerusalem. I looked it up online and we are, you know, we're in like the, the top five cities uh, in terms of distance from Jerusalem, cities with populations over 100,000 people, just if you want the, you know, the exact numbers. But we are a long way from Jerusalem and we get to do the work that Jesus began, uh, with, called his disciples to then, that we continue to do the work of being witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus, to share the good news of what God has done, that there is hope for humanity because this is not all there is, that God is changing this world, he is starting again, he is renewing his people. And that is the job of the church. That is our primary job, is to be a church that witnesses to this truth. But it's easy to get distracted by all the other things that you can do. It's easy to, to lose focus from the main thing that you are called to do as the church. Um, there was a, 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 while, a while ago in Sydney, where, where I was living, uh, the Sydney airport started doing this uh, advertising scheme uh, where they were saying, come to the airport and come to shop at the airport. Like, they've got all these shops at the airport. You should come. It'll be great. And I would look at that and like, why would you want to go shopping at the airport? I cannot think of many places that would be worse to go shopping at, except maybe a prison. Because, like, you know, the airport is great to catch a plane from. I'm mean, not great, but it is good. 
That's its job. Its job is to catch a plane from there. But why you would go and, you know, park at the airport and spend like, you know, you know, $3,000 on half an hour's parking to go there and have to like take half your clothes off to get through the security scanner and people suspiciously look at you wondering whether you've got a bomb just so that you can buy yourself, you know, like a, like a, you know, a new mobile phone case from JB Hi-Fi. There are a lot easier places to go shopping than the airport. The airport is not for shopping, it is for planes. Now, you know, if you go shopping while you're at the airport, it can enhance the mission of the airport to get you on a plane. And if you get to eat food and watch planes, they're all good things. But the main job of the airport is to get you on a plane so that you can leave the airport. That's the point. You don't go shopping at the airport. Now, some of the things that we do sometimes with the church is that there's all these good things that the church can do. And all these things, I will say, this is what the church is about. The church is about making a community uh, to welcome people in. The church is about being a voice for justice in the world. The church is about welcoming the poor and the marginalized. Now, these are all good things that the church does. But if the church does these things and neglects its main role of saying, being witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus, then we have lost the thing that we are called to do. Because all those other things other people can do and they can do it well. But what our job is to do is to be witnesses to the truth that there is a God and that He loves us. And He has sent His Son, Jesus, to live, die and rise again so that we might know Him and He has come back to life so that we might know that there is hope now and there is hope for the future. And as we do the other things then, as we welcome people into our communities, as we speak for those who do not have His voice, as we care for the marginalized, as we do the good things that the church does, as we do them because of the resurrection of Jesus, those things become a part of our witness and they speak to the goodness of what God has done. And the second thing uh, that this, the challenge is in here is it's not just for the church in general, but it is for us as individuals in particular. That these individuals were called to be witnesses to the resurrection and we are called to be witnesses. And I don't know how you felt when you first became a Christian or that time when you were most excited about sharing the good news of Jesus. But my guess is that you have had plans in your life where you've gone, I want to let people know about Jesus. But even for us as individuals, it can be easy to get distracted because there's so many other things that distract us from what is good. Oh, sorry, the good thing that we've been called to do and being witnesses to the resurrection. I don't know if you've ever gone shopping. Uh, well, I'm sure you have gone shopping. I don't know if you're like me when you go shopping, uh, that you, you go to the shops and you've got you know, at least one thing that you're there to get and then you head into the shops and then you get all these other things and you come out without the one thing that you're there to get. Like that happens to me semi-regularly. On Monday, uh, I went to the shops uh, and Emily, my wife, had said to me, can you get some shampoo? And I was like, okay, I need to get shampoo. And I was like, it can't just be any shampoo. I know it's got to be the right shampoo. It's got to be uh, her shampoo because I, I know that sh not all shampoos are the same. So I found the shampoo in the shower and I took a photo of it. So I knew which one it was. And then I went to the shops and I was saying to myself, get the shampoo, make sure you get the shampoo. And I was walking along and then I was like, oh, there's tuna. Do we need tuna? Probably. And so I got some tuna. I was like, oh, but get the shampoo, get the shampoo. And I was like, oh, Sausages. Do we need sausages? I don't know. Probably we do. I'll get some sausages. Oh, but get the shampoo. It's like, oh, ice cream. Do we need ice cream? Probably not, but I'll get the ice cream. 
And I was like, but I've got to get the shampoo. And so then I went to the shampoo aisle and I looked in the aisle and I was like, there's shampoo everywhere. And then I was, I was like, but I've got to find the right one. And then I saw it there on the shelf. There was the shampoo. So I was like, great, I found it. And I grabbed it and I left and I felt so good about myself. I was like, I've got the shampoo. And I went home and I just placed it in the bathroom and I was like, Emily's going to see the shampoo. And then I hear from the bathroom, Tom, this is conditioner. <laughs> It looks just the same. <laughs> and apparently they do different things. I was there for one thing and I missed out on it and I got distracted by all the other things. And our lives can be like that because there are so many good things can, that we can be doing in our lives. And for some of you, uh, this, <clears throat> this message, this challenge uh, to be a witness to the resurrection needs to be a challenge to you. Because you might know that you have been distracted. That there are other things that you have made your life about. That your life can become all about you know, making sure that you are comfortable or making sure that your kids are going okay or making sure that you meet your KPIs. You can be, make your life about making sure that you are, you are saving and you're set up for the future. I don't know what it is that you are making your life about. But maybe you have been distracted from the main cause of your life, and that is to bring glory to God and be a witness to his, the resurrection of His Son, Jesus Christ. And you can use all those other things to serve that purpose, but this challenge needs to be that this is your calling, to be a witness. But for others of you, then this, this message doesn't need to be one of challenge, but might just need to be one of encouragement, because you have strived to make your life about these things that all the other things in your life are there to serve the great goal of bringing glory to God, the great goal of helping other people to know who Jesus is and what He has done. And you have had people who thought you were strange because of the choices you have made. And you need to know that because of your commitment to Jesus, that you are doing what He asked you to do. And so be encouraged that even though other people don't get it, if your life is about being a witness, you are doing what Jesus calls you to do. You're doing well. Now, the last uh, thing uh, that we should, you might be thinking before we finish up is you've talked a lot, Tom, about being a witness, but what actually does that mean? Because none of us were there when Jesus died and none of us were there when he rose again. And so we can't stand and say, well, I saw that. But what we can do is we can testify to the truth that we know that this is a historical fact that God came to earth in His Son Jesus. This is a fact that He died, and it is a fact that He rose again. And we can testify to that truth to be a witness that we know that this is true. But more than that, uh, it is that, but also, if Jesus rose again, then He is still alive today. And just as the Acts is the begin tells us, sorry, just as Luke is the the beginning of the acts and deeds of Jesus, the work and deeds of Jesus, whatever it says, the signs and deeds, <laughs> doesn't matter. If that's the beginning, then he is continuing to work today because he is still alive. He is still working amongst us, and so we can bear witness to the resurrection in our lives. That when we have seen Jesus change us, we have seen Jesus transform our experiences. We have seen Jesus forgive us. We have seen Jesus give us courage. We have seen Jesus heal us. 
and we can bear witness to the work of the resurrection in the lives of others. When we can say we have seen Jesus reconcile families, we have seen Jesus call people to himself and give them new hope. As you make your life about witnessing to Jesus, you will witness Jesus do good works in the world. You will witness the power of the resurrection as people's lives are changed. As, as the church works to witness to Jesus, you'll see people come to know him. You'll see people uh, renewed and given new hope and given new power to go out and also be witnesses as well. We get to be witnesses to the truth of what happened all those years ago. And we get to be witnesses to what is happening right now. And we will witness what Jesus continues to do if we share the good news that God loves us and he sent his son Jesus to be with us who died and rose again so that we might know him. We get to be witnesses to the resurrection. I'm going to pray for us. Father God, we thank you for Jesus and we thank you that he gives us a job to do, that we have a, a great purpose to share the good news of his son. I pray that you will empower, be empowering this church uh, to be sharing you with others, to be staying on task, to be making sure that everything they do, all the good work that they do, uh, is not a distraction, but is a part of their witnessing to the resurrection. And I pray for each person here that each of us will be willing to give our lives to the good cause of witnessing the truth of what your son Jesus has done. That our good works, our kindness, our love will be a witness to the resurrection and that our words will be a witness to what Jesus has done in us and in the world. Amen. Well, that was the talk and I hope it was helpful for you. If you want more talks or to read my blog or order my book or even to book me to speak, remember to go to tomfrench.com.au. It's my home on the internet. You can also find me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash twfrench or on Insta at twfrench. And don't forget to give this podcast a rating and review wherever you get your podcast so that other people might be able to discover it too. Till next time, have a good one.